The following podcast contains language that is not suitable for everybody. Welcome to Super Skull Issue 123. It's your weekly new comic day audio digest for the week of January 11th, 2017. I'm your host, Nick Wybar. I'm here with Mark A. Schwimmer. Hello. Oh, good hype, man. Thanks. And Curtis Sullivan. That is me. I am here. And did you, was that an air horn that you did? That was a Okay, nice. I never, I don't, I don't get a lot of practice on that one. Uh, there's an app for that. Just throwing it out there if you want to Can you just make the noise? For me, I, well, it's... I knew you had it in you. Welcome to Super Skull, January eleventh, two thousand seventeen. A dish. We're just gonna dive right in because we got a, a a full plate of bologna, as they say. We do. It's a huge plate of bologna this week. It's stinking and steaming and overflowing, and we're gonna serve it to you, hot and piping bologna. Fried fried bologna. Do you guys eat hot bologna? I have a fried bologna sandwich. Most definitely. That is a thing? Gotta have mustard, though. Key I, ingredient. I like mustard. I like American cheese. I like a little mayonnaise with my fried bologna sandwich. It has to be on white bread. Man, mayonnaise Ooh. on a fried bologna? I know. It sounds crazy. Weird. Mayonnaise, mustard? Yeah. On a Combo. fried bologna sandwich. With a slice of American cheese. Right. Now dig this. Did you guys ever cut the bologna when you fry it so it looks like Pac-Man? Yeah, because if not, it bubbles up in the middle. It gets like a weird kind of a a bubble. I did not know the Pandora's box that I was cracking open. When's the last time you had a fried bologna sandwich? I steam all my bologna. You're full of shit. I I I put it in a rice cooker. (laughs) Uh, You guys fry it? Yeah. You guys do not like steamed bologna sandwiches? Uh, It's not my favorite. I mean, occasionally I'll boil my bologna. Of course. Which is nice. Then you get that nice kind of hot, like, bologna water. And then that you can use for anything. For all kinds of stuff. Don't get rid of that. Freeze that. Save that. Keep that. It's the base for my protein shake. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's like that. It's a little bit of like, you know, chocolate cake protein powder. It's great. You can actually mix it right into your chocolate cake batter. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Your bologna water? Your hot bologna water. It's so fluffy. Absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna save this for for super bologna. (laughs) To be continued. Hey, can I tell you guys a story about me in the shower the other day? Please. So dig this. I was in the shower for cleaning purposes. Right. Mm -hmm. Not to drink a beer or eat spaghetti and meatballs, which is most of my time in the shower. Yeah. But I was like washing myself, and I was like had soap in my hair, and I couldn't see mm-hmm. because I had soap like coming down in my face. Okay, everybody, get an visual of this, listener. Just get a. He's like, in. so ah, I can't see. My eyes are closed. It's so dark because of I can't see. Yeah. And then I reached over and I grabbed uh, one a of person, the, a man. <laughs> I, no, I just grabbed the faucet. Okay. And I was like, wait a second, that I wanted it to be hotter. But I grabbed the hot water one, okay, and I knew instinctively, just with like my daredevil like powers, okay. that it was the hot water faucet. And then I moved over to the other faucet and turned it and got the water just right. And it was just really sweet because like I, 
had so in my eyes, and I couldn't even see, and I still found a faucet. So your story is, <clears throat> let me just make sure that I followed all of this. Yeah. Your story is that you adjusted the temperature in your shower. Yeah. But like when my eyes closed, dude, with soap in my eyes, man. Okay? Like <laughs> using the power of like... So, like super sonar that's power. A, that's good. It's amazing. Hey, I thought it's, you guys it's like tough to too because there's all this noise interference. So because normally in a silent shower you could hear the difference. You could just as you're reaching out for yeah. it. But because there's all this interference, all this yeah. shower going on. <laughs> that's advanced. Yeah. So I thought you guys would like to know that I might be a superhero. I only shower in the pitch dark. I sometimes do. Do you actually do that? Absolutely not. That seems like something a psychopath oh. would do. No, when I wake up in the morning and it's super early and I don't want to really be awake, uh-huh. I won't, I'll just use the lights in the window. I won't turn any lights on in the shower. It's a full sensory experience. Yeah, dude. You can feel it. All you can do is just feel it. Yeah. My shower walls are mirrors, so I just like to make sure I'm not missing any spots. So, you you, so actually, if you already shower in the dark, Curtis, you've been training for this moment. I guess. That, that, and now it that finally I think about came it. into practice That's your whole it. life, and now and you've done it. You get the black belt that you don't have yeah. to wear in the shower. But now I'm thinking about mirrors in my shower. Like, man, that's like game of death Bruce Lee maneuver. Like, it's all all walls. If somebody are attacks mirrors. you in the shower, I'm ready. You, you're ready. Yeah, yeah. I'll just perch my cell phone up there and just <laughs> leave it on, and then review it afterwards yeah. for yeah. performance. How yeah. could I have that? How could that have been better, more efficient? Yeah. I didn't mean to derail everything, but that happened. And I thought you guys would like no, to know. No, it's great. I so. love the first five minutes of the podcast where we just do our fucking damnedest to scare anyone off. Oh, comic book <laughs> podcast. Oh, you know what? I would like to learn about the X-Men. Hope you wanted to hear about spaghetti in the shower, my friends. Let's do some in the news. <laughs> Please. Isn't there a sound effect that goes along with in the news, if I'm not mistaken? Breaking news. We have a new... Record. Tell me more. <laughs> I will. I was trying to get you suspensed. It's a new record for Kickstarter tabletop games. Oh, it's oh. a big record. Not only that. Okay, so it was $12.4 million. What? Which is a lot of money. But it was also the fourth highest Kickstarter ever of any kind. Any kind across the board. Yes. Wow. Of which, like, most of the top ones are all smartwatches. Did you guys see this? No, no. that's dumb. That's uh, We're not going to talk about that, but that, I thought that was fucking mm. weird. Like, of the top ten, like, three or four of them are all smartwatches. I have no urge to own a smartwatch. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I sometimes want one if I was, like, a millionaire and I could just have a bunch of stuff that I maybe would only use one time. Yeah, that seems stupid. Yeah, I'll wear that. I'll buy two of those for that I won't use. What do you, anyway, I can talk about Doesn't it. Rachel Polk wear a smartwatch? Oh, God. That we're just fucking Oh, my God. I'm on. so sorry. You just have to be a real idiot to wear a smartwatch. Yeah? Is that how that goes? <laughs> God damn it. I'm so sorry. I also don't want to tell you my opinion about showering in the dark. <laughs> well, I want you to now. <laughs> you know, I get really bad migraines, and sometimes it's the only thing that makes them go away. But thanks, Nick. Is now a shower guess, in the dark? I guess I'm a psychopath. <laughs> So I, I, I blazed on Rachel being a psychopath and her stupid smartwatch inadvertently. Go fuck yourself! Uh, God damn it, I'm so sorry. No, you're not! Anyway, Kickstarter, the, high, the highest funded board game of all time and the fourth highest funded project ever, is a game called Kingdom Death. Kingdom so, Death, let that sink in for a moment. It's a board game, it's called Kingdom Death 1.5? Yeah, it's Kingdom Death colon monster. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so the other, I, I have a lot to say about Kingdom Death, and I'm not going to say it all right now. Because you're invested. So I am one of the people that invested in this game. Now, now Nick, uh, what's the average price of a board game, you think? 
40, 50 bucks? We're going to do this. For a, let's for let's a say it's big, 50. For a big Euro game, yeah. you're looking at $50. Yeah, probably 50 bucks. Nick, yeah. how much did you spend on this board game? God damn it, Marcus. How much? 250 American Woo! So this is the most expensive board game ever, I mean, correct? It's got to be it's got to be up there, right? You yes. know. There are more expensive board games. Are there? <laughs> but like this is the base version of it. This is not the deluxe version of it. This Kickstarter was nuts. There were, you know, there was over a thousand people that paid more than a thousand dollars for some version of this game. So what is Kingdom Death? Kingdom Death is how do they describe it? It's a cooperative game where you are hunting monsters. This is in an apocalypse where everything has gone horribly, horribly wrong, and you are survivors of this apocalypse. And, and, you, and monsters have really, they, they run the show. Monsters have taken over the earth, okay. and it's a, you play this very long campaign. So it's kind of like, they don't call it a legacy game, but it, it, it is a, it's a campaign. Each game affects the next game, right? And you hunt and kill monsters. It's brutally, brutally difficult. And you can like hack off pieces of those monsters and then and then attach them to yourself, like make yourself sweeter and hopefully survive. You have like this little uh, colony, this little uh, town that you try to build to like eke out a very pathetic, meager existence. And you can have babies in the game to try to like that's the only way to get more people into your party. It is a very intense, very large game. Really, the reason it's so expensive is because the miniatures are. Like nothing I've ever seen. The best, They're incredible. The cream of the crop. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, there's tons of them. There's a hundred plus minis in this box. Something yeah. just outrageous. It's completely insane. So for two hundred fifty dollars, you know, in theory, you know, you're getting a lot of stuff. And the campaign for the game is supposed to last like a hundred hours. Yes. It's also we should also say we'd be remiss if we didn't say that it is on purpose, um, very very over the top, extremely offensive. All of the people are pinup people mm -hmm. the women are not portrayed in ways that are really very cool or realistic in any way it's a lot of like they're going for a thing it's very 1980s pinup fantasy heavy metal yes yeah. uh rock and roll big boobs and blood everywhere crazy yes. monsters yes it's so one of the big things and the first monster that you fight in this game a key part of this fight is you could knock the testicles off of this white lion that you're fighting and then equip those white testicles for the rest of your campaign like this is the kind of game we're talking about here. right can i tell you sounds like a pretty sweet first boss battle i does sound dope yes. my, my worry please God, don't be, please don't tell me your worry. I, it's so much money. Please go ahead. Here's my worry. So, some, it, th this game, it seems, has a lot of similarities like a pen and paper RPG, Dungeons and Dragons, et cetera. Yes. When you're playing D&D &D with people, if someone does something stupid, it's not the end of the world. Right. Because, you know, you, you got these books, you can reroll. In Kingdom Death, if someone's playing like a moron, you're $250. <laughs> invested in this moron. Yeah. And that's gonna happen. Right. So this is why I'm you gotta be I'm just gonna be so selective about my my board game partners for King yeah. of Death. I can't wait to play this thing. Ooh, but it so looks, you think you're you think you made I'm the one cut. of them. Yeah, totally. Oh, Did interesting. you is that Yeah, no, we'll talk about it. Oh okay. All right. I do have a res an application process. I see. Okay. I was actually so we were gonna get I was gonna get this game, Curtis and I and a buddy of ours, we're gonna team up. We're like, we're gonna get six of them. We're yep. gonna get, we're gonna spend a bunch of money. We're gonna get six copies of this game, and then it's like twenty four hours from Kickstarter being done. And I saw this review of it, and I was like, oh, this is an interesting review, and this is a video review. I'm gonna send this out to Curtis and this other dude, and just see see what these guys think about it. And within a half an hour, we're all on the phone, like, I don't know, I just, I just don't know. 
and everybody backed out. You wusses. I gotta tell it's you, intense. Uh, I, I've already had a dude come in the shop and be like, "Hey, you getting this? Kid? Did you kickstart this game? I want to buy one." Well, right. that, that would have been one. There would have been five more to account for. Yeah, yeah. It, it, this review that I watched, it was like a forty-minute review of this board game. Yeah, and I recommend it for anybody. Shut up and sit down. Did a great review of this game. Absolutely, and just even if you're never going to play this game, just uh, it was like nothing I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, you're building a town, and you have all these considerations there, and people, and and resources too. There, you're eking out your existence by like exploring and fighting monsters and having encounters. There's a track where you can hunt giant monsters. That's like a separate board. Uh, this dude had a giant. This box is like the bo- the three box, feet long. It's and, two and a half feet long in, for real. Yeah. And this dude had like handwritten notes, like hundreds of them tucked behind every single card in this box. Yeah. It just looked like the most sprawling, intimidating, crazy thing I've ever, I've never seen a board game yeah. even close to this. I just can't. I couldn't not. I couldn't not no, have you had this to. game I'll, in my life. I'll be honest, I just, I haven't, I'm very excited. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't need to fill out an application, right? Like, we play a lot of games together. I feel like, I feel like I we're there. Say, we'll talk about it. We can talk about I mean, it. I feel like we're battle buddies. You know, maybe you don't, what we'll do is we'll pass you right into the interview stage. I just, if there's something that I'm built for, yeah. it's probably playing... I've, I've I've played a lot of RPGs. That's all I'm saying. I think I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for the team. You're making your pitch right now. Yeah. No, you know we'll keep it in mind. I have over a hundred hours of Dungeons and Dragons experience. Mm-hmm. I LARP so I can come at it from a tactical combat thing, mm-hmm. and I paint minis. What's a time that in, when you were playing where you were challenged while playing an RPG recently, and how did you handle it? Uh, I'm so I'm sweating. My palms are sweaty. I feel like so much is on the line right now. I'll get back to you about okay. that. Yeah. So I, Kingdom Death, man. Uh, I did not want to just start talking about the fact that I backed Kingdom Death, but I it was interesting that it that it made so much money. You know, twelve point four million dollars, and I wanted to also look at some of the other games on this list. A lot of them are really miniature heavy. It seems like. And then explode, but number two is Exploding Kittens, which is a card game. Right. You know, and the thing to mention about Exploding Kittens, so it, it made nine million bucks, which is awesome, or, or raised nine million. It didn't make, it didn't make nine million bucks. Yeah. But uh, so we've got nineteen thousand backers for Kingdom of Death. We have two hundred and twenty thousand backers. Um, right. That's a little Exploding game. Exploding Kittens, because it's a little bite-sized game. The average dollar per backer of the number two spot, which is Exploding Kittens, is forty dollars per person. Yes. The average dollar per backer for Kingdom Death is six hundred and forty dollars per person. That is shit. crazy. It's completely insane. I implore you to just like go online and look at some stuff about this game. It is you, the listener. It's uh, it's completely insane. And if you want, you can you can maybe look at my copy when it gets here, but don't touch it. If you'd like to send Nick an application, yeah. To play Kingdom Death. Right. That email mm-hmm. is Nick. No, goddamn it. Super Skull at Vault of Midnight.com. <laughs> Let's say that. Please send us your application. That is um, that is some in the news. That's just huge. That's just a lot of money for a board game. And this is a game that does not get made without Kickstarter. There's no, no publisher in the no world that's gonna no that's way. gonna back something yeah. like this. No, Two hundred fifty dollars. Just... This game re- should retail for four hundred dollars. Then is what we're saying. Oh, absolutely. The only reason, it's crazy expensive. The only reason it's that cheap, it's, yeah, it's yeah. because of Kickstarter. Absolutely. And there's no publisher in the world that looks at this and looks at this art style and this approach to a game and says, yeah, sure, let's do it. Well, we should do this. Yeah. No. They might now, but. No. It's crazy. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Let's do some big picks. You want to do some comic book big picks? Yeah, for the 12.4 million comics that released this week, um, 250 of them. 
were good. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty darn yeah. good. Yeah. And those are our big picks. Curtis? You want me to start with my 250 I would love to know what your uh, $250 bought in comics this week. So I will say that it was a fat, juicy, fat week of comics. Uh, and I read a million comics, and I left a bunch of, bunch of comics unread. That's how many comics there were this week. Heavy week. Heavy week. Would you say it was the best week of comics ever? This year. Yes. Two weeks in? Two weeks into better 2017. Than last week? Better than last week. Cool. Bang. Do you remember when we used to say that on every single podcast? Yeah. Well, because it was true. Right. It's always true. Each week was better than the last. Yeah. Every meal is a feast. Mm -hmm. Every walk a parade. Yeah. Something like this. Every walk a banquet. (laughs) What'd you pick? Uh, My huge pick is Detective Comics number 948. I know. You're thinking, 948? How can I jump into that? That's crazy. It's uh, the first uh, issue of the Batwoman Begins story line, part one. Uh, so we've new, all been new creative team. New, well, same creative team except with an additional co-writer. So we've all been reading Detective Comics. We really, really like it. I would say, I think we can all agree, it's one of the very best rebirth books out there. For sure, it's probably my favorite Batman rebirth book. I might even like it a little more than Core Batman. It doesn't have all Batman though; just a whiff of Batman. It's got a lot of other characters. So we're getting into Batwoman. Uh, she's going to get her own series here in a couple of weeks. I just can't let this slide. I'm so sorry. You get in s- there. You said a whiff of Batman. Mm-hmm. What do you think he smells like? I think early in the day, he smells pretty good. He takes really good care of himself. He's a real Patrick Bateman in that way. He yes. face peels. He exfoliates. Yes. He takes really good care of himself. After he, a night of fighting crime in the sewer. And, aloe and brute, first thing in the morning. He's, he really takes care of himself. But mm-hmm. yeah, 12 hours in the suit. 12 hours yeah. in the suit. He's a ripe banana. I bet it's pretty funky. Yeah, Oof. Yeah, he's peeling that bad boy off. I'm sorry to interrupt. Please That's continue. Okay. So uh, James Tinian, who we all really like a whole lot, and uh, Ben Oliver are doing this book or have been doing this book. Uh, Marguerite Bennett joins the writing team with this issue uh, to kind of steer it into the Batwoman book that she will be writing coming up. Nice. So, yeah. So this uh, basically what's been going on in Detective Comics lately is um, uh, Batwoman has been... Her father is part of this group called the Colony, and they're crazy bad guys. They want to cure Gotham kind of like the League of Assassins by any means necessary. They will break any number of eggs that it takes to rid the city streets of crime. Mm. And Batwoman's not cool with that. She's not cool with collateral damage. So big fight time. uh, The collective gets taken down. Her father is now being held captive by the GCPD, and he's a criminal now. What's the name of the group? Is it the collective? The the colony. I'm sorry. The colony. Cool. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, that's a cool name for a, a very bad colony, guy group. Yeah. Yeah, and they look crazy. Their costumes are these it, like super teched out military. Yeah, and they're like extremists to the far end. Yes. They will kill whoever they need to kill so that they can kind of run the show. So they can get the whoever the bad person is. They'll yeah. do whatever it takes. Um, and obviously Batman and the Bat family, Batwoman, they're not cool with that situation. Yeah. So, um. Because they want to do it. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> Showboats. Ex- exactly. They want to take down whoever by any means. Uh, this book just looks so, so good. This guy, Ben Oliver, can draw his ass off. Um, you guys can't see these pages that I'm flipping through, but, um, these warriors from the colony, they've got just this great kind of three-eyed laser beam mask and great kind of armored military look. It's very destiny it is a little oh. bit Destiny. You're right. Yeah, the video game the by Bungie. 
Yes, destiny. Correct. Yeah. Um, so uh, readers might remember in the Batman uh, in Bat Book series recently, there was a storyline called the Monster Men, and these giant monsters at- attacked uh, Gotham City. So the monsters were defeated, but some of their corpses haven't been cleaned up. Damn it! Dig this. Who is supposed to do that? Uh, well, uh, supposedly this this medical organization is supposed to do it, but they're having trouble doing yeah. it because this contaminated flesh is being eaten by some sea life and some birds, Ooh. and they're mutating. And so now there's this other kind of strain of mutant creatures running around Gotham City. So, uh, man, this book, it, Detective has been great since Rebirth started. This new story arc is going to lead us right into the Batwoman miniseries. That is drawn by Steve Epting, who people might know from Velvet and Captain America. Uh, holy shit. I think it's his first DC comic book oh, that my dude has yeah. drawn. I can't think of anything else that dude's done. Yeah, I, I know him from Marvel books. I don't think I've ever seen him on a DC book. That might not be true, but not in many, many years if, if he has previously done work for them. So the big thing here, if nothing else, 968. Is that right? 948. 948, excuse mm-hmm. me. This is the beginning of a new story arc. You can go right into it. You can just jump right in, and it will prime you for what looks to be a great, great relaunch of the Batwoman comic book, which was fantastic uh, during written the new- by fi- Marguerite Bennett? It is written by Marguerite Bennett. Um, so the New 52 comic was written by- J.H. Williams. Who just totally- The third. The third, even. And he killed it. He killed it so hard. Uh, and that book died uh, because of all kinds of weird shit. Creative team mix-ups, editorial problems. I guess it was kind of ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't know all the details how that book died. So Bat behind Woman's, the scenes, behind yeah. the scenes, exactly. So Batwoman's coming back, man, and I couldn't be more juiced. And this is a great place to dip your beak, dip Dig your it. your bat talon, your bat she, beak. She, she's one of my favorite members of the Bat family. Who's, and your, who's your favorite member of the Bat family? Nightwing, Dick Grayson. Didn't even stop to think about it. Curtis, favorite Bam. member of the Batwing. Uh, Batman. The, the, it's Batman for sure. But quick follow-up, Damian Wayne. I was gonna say, <sighs> yeah. Okay. I do love Dick Grayson, though. Don't get me wrong. I fucking love Nightwing. It's hard to pick. This is why I love Detective right now so much, because you get the whole posse, yeah, so and they're all represented in really great ways. Batwoman, though, best mask of all the Bat family. She's got a great, great outfit. It's great. That's right. Cool. So all that's right. my big peek. Detective Comics, number 948. Batwoman Begins, number one. Yes. Part one, excuse me. Um, I'm going to do mine next, if I may. Sure. Because mine's a little quickie. Is it? Just a little quick guy. The uh, volume, the trade paperback, rather, for House of Penance from Dark Horse Comics released today. And we talked about this a little bit as it was coming out in single issues. This is absolutely one of the best books of 2016. Did you guys finish this? I didn't. I read the first three. You guys are both uh, chumps. Okay, thank you. Yeah, just the two of you together. Just a couple of chumps. Just a pair of chumps. So the We'll try harder. Thank you for trying harder, if you could, in the future. So the- uh, are you guys familiar with the Winchester House? A little bit, briefly. So the Winchester House is an actual thing. Um, the heir to the the heiress to the Winchester fortune. Um, she, it's it's a really well known quote unquote haunted house. Uh, this woman kept building onto this house. She like it's one of the most elaborate, craziest like architectural projects in the country, if not the world, in real life. And just for years and years and years, right? Just constantly, it's just constantly, under construction. Yep. For infinity. Room after room after room. She's got like this unlimited budget, more or less. Um, And there's all sorts of stuff about this crazy house that was funded by gun money, by the Winchester rifle fortune. Oh, right. right. When you say Winchester, you mean the manufacturer of firearms. Got it. Um, The House of Penance 
is a kind of fantastic, uh, ridiculous, not, I don't want to say ridiculous, but um, a kind of, what would you call it? It's a horror fictional take on the idea of the Winchester house. So what if it actually was haunted? And what if this woman was building rooms because there was some nefarious force that was kind of forcing her to it to do it? The people who build the house, who work on the Winchester house, all the workers that she hires, they're all um, b- b- more or less criminals or otherwise jerks who have come to this house because they can't get work anywhere else. And they have to work under her thumb, and they have to not leave all their firearms. No, There are no firearms allowed on the premises of any kind. And there's just this weird ecosystem of all of these like violent people that are all working on this house at the whim of this woman who's like essentially lost her mind. And we follow this one dude who comes to work at the house for the first time. It's one of the creepiest comics I've ever read. It is so fucking beautiful to look at. Who drew this book? That's what I was trying to figure out, just this looking at it. I can't remember. on here. We're going to have to look that up. Oh, Dave Stewart and Ian Bertram worked on it. Um, it is deeply unsettling, deeply, really, really sharp, uh, really subtle writing. I just absolutely loved it. Yeah, I, I got to say, uh, the covers, every issue of this book were just so yeah. striking uh, visually. The color palette is like, I don't know, lots of muted kind of, you know, bone yeah and red and it would just like slip into so you know this she basically she has to hear uh hammers going at all times because the hammers keep the demons at bay and everybody's convinced that like well this is just a this is just a crazy woman but she's she's paying us but a lot of the workers are like no like she's the boss and if she says that we have to keep the hammers going 24 hours a day then you know a lot of them like just really respect her and really love her because they brought them she's brought all these people in that had literally nowhere else to go there's just so many layers to it and it's very very cool with some very cool action stuff too i love it i like that peter tomasi is a dude that i found out about uh writing kind of superhero books yeah over at dc and um you know he's as the years have gone on he's just you know, he's a very capable writer, he's and su- House and of Penance uh, really showed that he can do his own thing. The dude is awesome. I mean, he worked on, like, Superman. Yep. For the new 52 run, yeah, right? No, not 2000, but in 2016, pre-Rebirth stuff. Correct. And, yeah, he's working on Green Lantern, and yeah, he's a DC superhero dude. Yeah, he shadowed Scott Snyder on yeah. a bunch of books and on, on the Bat Family books. Yeah, he's He's, he's a excellent. great writer, and this reads completely differently than any of his DC stuff. So that's House of Penance, and it's available in uh, collection as of today. And that's that's done, right? That's just the one volume and, and over. I, as far as I know, it's over. Okay, it would be weird if they did more with it because it. it kind of it ended pretty hard. It's just what you want—just well, six issues and fucking out the door. Maybe I can finally finish it. Maybe you, know? you can get finally off my, finish it. My if you can get your rump, shit together, you know. Yeah, yeah. the the two is maybe uh, together. Share a bubble bath, you know. Oh, that's nice. Get a get a bath bomb. I'll hold one side, you hold the other. Yep. We'll take turns turning the pages. Sounds cute. Ooh, I love it. Now I'm jealous. Marcus? Yes. We saved your big pick for last. Because it's the best. Because you a have a huge pick. Because you have a lot to say. I do. About this. I do, I do, I do. What was your pick? So I picked Justice League Mighty Morphin Power Rangers oh. that came out this week. Oh Lord. DC has done something very cool this year. It's it's a, a big year of crossovers mm-hmm. for DC, and they've been putting out these little runs. Of crossovers with other publishers. So we got Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, and Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures that came out this year. 
Star Trek Green Lanterns, which was amazing and very mm. good. And here we are, Justice League, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. May I make a statement? Please. I am more excited in this moment for the new Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie than I was for Rogue One. Hands down. <laughs> okay. Right. I, I'm very, I am, I'm juiced for the new Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. So, okay. I, ca- I can't really uh, rip on you. I've been watching Underworld movies all week with my wife yeah. to get ready for the fifth. Yeah, there's five of them Underworld movies. So I got nothing to say. I mean, good on you. So, I'm glad you're juiced. What's the premise of this book? Because so, I do want to talk about the Power Rangers I'm a ready. little bit yeah. here. So this book, uh, something happens uh, in the world of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, mm-hmm. and one of their teleporters gets damaged, um, and one of the Rangers uh, gets sucked into the DC universe where he gets there and he thinks that Batman who's the first one he encounters he's a bad guy is a bad guy classic they fight it's going poorly because the Justice League is coming to help out cue the rest of the Power Rangers jump in and we get a full on Power Rangers versus Justice League dope ass battle in Gotham and they give them a run for their for the they give the Justice League a run for their money here's the thing people don't realize about the Power Rangers they are very powerful they are Team, they're mighty. They're mighty, and yeah, they're power rangers. rangers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're awesome, and they kick total ass. And I think it is a good kind of goofy versus that you know. It's it, I, I loved it. I loved every second. I read it twice. Yeah, I read it once. I sat down. I read it again, mm-hmm. and I loved it. And then I went on this giant <laughs> research. I went. I went. What's past the rabbit hole? Uh-huh. I went into a multi-hour love-fueled Power Ranger research session. And you, like, watched a bunch of... I watched five episodes. I watched the entire introduction of the Green Ranger arc mm-hmm. from the moment... It's Tom... a five-parter. It's a five-part. Yeah. They I don't watched... play. There's some deep story that they're laying down. I watched every single one. It took five episodes to unfold yeah. that. It was. It's so fucking great. And I loved every second of it. Okay. So, I, I here's the thing. Yep. Are we aware that this is a terrible show? You're wrong. It's I, not a terrible show. I also watched some Power Rangers last night because I knew you were going to pick this. Right, right, right. You watched, what did you watch? I watched season one, episode one. So you watched the first ever episode of Power Rangers. Yes. Okay. And this is where we see the witch from the moon. That's Rita Repulsa. Yeah, Rita Repulsa. Here's my, here's my reading. Can I? This is what, watching Power Rangers, here's what Power Rangers is about. Okay. Some incompetent astronauts release a space witch. Okay. Right? Yep. Um, a giant head has to find... Four teenagers with attitude. Yep. In order to combat the space witch. Yeah. yeah. Five teenagers with attitude. Yeah. This is this is correct. Then he assigns them then he assigns them costumes based on race. And then they fight a bunch of clay people in with some with some very strange continuity. They definitely start their fighting fully in the desert. Yeah. It's a full desert fight. And then they get into costume and they are in the middle of a city on a rooftop. Right? This, yeah. this is accurate so far? Yeah, sounds great. And then they turn into a giant robot. They <laughs> they they fight all together. They fight a dude in a, a, a giant... Goldar is the guy's name. Yeah. And then Goldar's like, I don't feel like doing this anymore. And he pieces out. And then all of the Power Rangers have to decide that they want to be superheroes together. Yeah. You've just described the perfect show. It's that, great. That's what happens in that episode. Yeah. Oh, also there's Bulk and Skull. Who are two bullies? I mean, I left out a ton of shit. First of all, all these teenagers hang out 
at a Commu- karate community center. It's a community center that is also a dojo. Correct. Very karate focused. Very yeah. karate focused. Where there's also like a gymnastics bar. Yep. And then there's two bullies. Yeah. Bulk and Skull. Those guys are stupid they're as the hell. Worst. And they've got stupid music that follow, follows yeah. them around. And they come in there like, hey, you going to teach us how to karate? Yeah, there's such yeah. a couple of dicks. Oh, yeah. it's the best. I implore you. I implore everyone. Watch. Be eight years old. Be eight years old. Mm-hmm. Watch, the, watch the Green Ranger story arc. Once you start, you won't stop. Okay. Because you're in it. It's so. There's a moment that blew my mind where the Green Ranger, the Power Rangers are, are losing. So they Zord up. Yeah. Right? They create, now, when you say Zord up, they take their individual Zords and they turn into Megazord. Zords are like a kick ass robot. They're dinosaur themed giant robots that they used to fight That evil. they pilot. Right. Mm-hmm. They make the Megazord, right? Megazord, that's all, yeah, they're all smashed together. They're all smashed mm-hmm. together. The Green think Ranger. Think Voltron, right? Think, think Voltron, right, you exactly. Know, Constructicons. The Green Ranger jumps, as as a dude, tiny dude, jumps on top of the Zord and, like, breaks into it and then fights them in the Zord. Mm-hmm. That blew my mind. That, like, how'd he get in there? It w- it, no, it just shows, like, how cool there? of a bad guy he was. Uh-huh. Like, normally what would happen is, like, Big Monster would turn into Big Monster and then they would fight... With the Green Ranger arc, they really oh so good. Here's my question. Yeah. I have a lot of questions. Why does he need four emotional overbearing teenagers? Quote unquote, he he requests Alpha One, this is Zordon. Yeah. I need emotional overbearing humans. That's actually what he says. Why do they have to be teenagers? Because I, th- I think they need to be teenagers because they need to be at a point in their life where they're not corrupted. Okay. But they need to be able to have a baseline of karate skills. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Okay. And we need some drama as the, you know, for the viewers. Right. Right. So, you know, we're building a show. We need, like, a nerdy one, and we need, like, a, a fighter one, you know? Poor Billy. So Billy is the Blue Ranger who I compl- – I watched this show, too, when I was a kid, and I block. I could not remember any of it. And Billy – is in the the actor who plays Billy is a thirty five year old man. All He's, the other dudes seem like they could be in their maybe their early twenties, late right. teens, or whatever. Billy is a full grown adult man actor. Yes. yes, he is, and he is painfully thirty five years old. And he they got my dude wearing overalls. Well, he's blue. He's got to wear all blue. He's wearing all blue overalls with a fucking sweater wrapped around. Yeah. Well, yeah. 1992, man. It it was. I just felt so bad for this guy. He, you know, they have budget to think of yeah you know so it what well, so there's i mean there's so much i did so much research into the power rangers last night yeah and th- this saban entertainment the company that brought us mighty Morphin power rangers mm-hmm. is responsible for every 90s kids kind of baseline as far as entertainment uh-huh they did mighty Morphin power rangers the animated x-men tv show the spider-man animated tv show and oh. are responsible for the creation of the karate kid Shit. It's pretty huge. That's every 90 kid. That's your baseline. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That's all this company that brought Power Rangers. That company is responsible for so many nine-year-olds getting kicked in the face by other nine-year-olds. Yeah. It's, it builds uh, character, dude. That's good, good for thing. you. Yeah. Pa- Power Rangers is... So what they do is they take all the action sequences from this Japanese show called Super Sentai, um, and then they redo all of the drama parts, the speaking parts, with new actors. Mm-hmm. Super Sentai, by the time they adapted one for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, had already done 15 seasons and is still currently making shows that Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is taking and adapting for an American audience. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers has had 20 
three seasons. So here's the thing. Those, every time you see the, them in a costume, in the Power Ranger costume, or with robots fighting monsters, we're seeing the Japanese show. Correct. And then they do other stuff out of costume, when, and that's... That's all the American shit. Correct. I'm okay. kind of in love with this, right? Because they got to like script it and write this thing where it can be shot this way. Right. They don't try very hard, though. Well, true. Um, mm -hmm. But I just imagine like a great, like a floor in a building mm -hmm. where this is just like a whole squad of people's jobs. Right. It's pretty cool, right? It's this the best. Yeah. You know, you got like your whole Japanese side that does this stuff, and then they ship whatever over to the American side. Yeah. And dare I say, I think DC Comics could take some notes. From Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah. In the 23 seasons of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, all of it is in the same unbroken continuity. Oh, my goodness. In fact, <laughs> Tommy, the greatest ranger ever. The Green Ranger. Was the Green Ranger, became the White Ranger. When he died for all of us. When he died for all of us. Was, of course. He didn't die. He gave and up his powers. was resurrected. He gave up his powers. Yeah. Was the Zeo Ranger, and then... Came back as Red Turbo Ranger and ended his career as Dino Thunder, uh, Dino Thunder Black Ranger until he came back to reprise his role as the Green Ranger for an alumni episode where they brought together a ton of Rangers who all had to band together with the current Ranger Force to fight evil. Unbroken continuity, twenty three seasons, so dope. Wow, so how many episodes is that? I mean, it helps if you don't give a shit, right? They give a shit. That's the crazy thing is like they actually, while well, after digging into it, yeah. they give a shit. A lot of threads, a lot of stuff tying together. And, and like things that have happened in previous seasons or like in space are affecting other things. They'll bring rangers back. Mm -hmm. So like you, if you're a popular ranger in one show, they might give it a couple like season breaks and then bring you back as a ranger again. You know, the Red Ranger from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers came back as the, like, ultimate Black Ranger. It was... The ultimate Black Ranger? It, it was Gold Ranger. His costume was so dope. <laughs> it was so dope. They, they brought Billy back? Billy, other than Tommy, the greatest ranger ever, Billy has been in more episodes of Power Rangers than any other ranger. No kidding. It's great. I, lo <laughs> I love their names. Billy and Tommy. Who else do we have? Timmy? There is no Timmy. Is there a Sue? There's Jason. There's, there's Kimberly. There's Trini. Trini. And I'm so happy the that one? there's a Kimberly. I, that's all of them. Billy, Zach, Ki Zach. Who's, it's just the most '90s shit you've ever. Now seen. let me it's ask the you this: best '90s shit. Who's you've the ever bad seen? guy who's got like his name is starts with Z and he's got a wand with a big ass Z on it? Oh, that's Zed. Zed. Yeah, he's got a Zed on a wand. I love yeah. that dude. So it's awesome, Nick. Now let's be real here. It's not awesome. The writing's actually very stupid. It's actually pretty offensive, at least on those first early episodes. Come on. Because it's a little offensive in those first early episodes. Well, you, you can just forgive it because they don't mean it. <laughs> but I'm saying like, so like, oh yeah, we got to forgive it because it's the 90s. But like, that was, that was like, it was like 1992. But, but that's like one. All right, so yes, I agree. The original conception of, and there's some backstory, like the Yellow Ranger was not originally supposed to be Asian American. She was supposed to be Hispanic. Um, but... I, you have to give it some credit in the fact that it is a show in the 90s that does have an Asian-American female actress. Multicultural. Multicultural. Cast, yeah. An African-American actor, all as main characters. Yeah. But they're very much like, there's no question that Jason, the alpha-ist, whitest dude in the group, is so their leader. That is established from Jump Street. But they, they, I think they've kind of... Taken that as the, the Red Ranger is usually the ranger who's in charge of the group. Yeah. And throughout the 23 seasons now, they have made an effort to very much diversify who is the team leader. Yeah. Oh, that's it's cool. Been, I mean, Zach, my dude, Zach, who's the Black Ranger, 
and he's a black man. Yeah. He's he is like he's like dancing in the episode, in the first episode. It's fucked. He plays a lot of basketball too, which yeah. is kind of yeah. It's rough to watch. I'm just saying for nostalgia for nostalgic is fun and watching them kick and punch those other dudes was really cool and I love robots fighting giant monsters well, so, in rubber suits. If that's all the show was. That's what I'm going to say. I I don't know much about Power Rangers. I've seen a handful of episodes over the years. But man, dude, the giant robot stuff, the finding magic gems, the pulling weird magic weapons out of rocks, that's, the forming up a giant robot, crazy I, space I love birds. that shit. All that shit on the show yeah. is my jam. That was the last 25% of every episode from what I remember. Essentially, yeah. The it, rest of the stuff is all teen 90s drama stuff. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Look, I, don't, I think people forget uh, how big Power Rangers was. At one point, during the first three seasons, yeah. Power Rangers made up 20% of all toy sales in the United States. No, it was a behemoth. But that's crazy to think about. Toy, yeah, think about all the toys. 20% of all the toys sold in the United sta- States were Power Rangers. That's, uh, you're right. That it's, is, it's insane. It's insane. They do look really, really cool, too. Oh, I can't oh. help. When I see an like, action figure of a of a Power Ranger, I'm like, I think they look pretty Do badass. You notice that they're masks, so they have masks. They have a full helmet and mm-hmm. mask on, but their mouths, yeah, are metal. It's not like they have just a sheath or like a um, like a screen or a mouth guard right. or something. It's a little molded like lip. No, it's all style. Like is they're like a kick ass statue. So it's like a kick ass statue, but it's super fucking weird if you think about it's, it. it. It's a different look, but it's like I'm serious. <laughs> and I, they're bringing the mouth back for the new Power Ranger movie reboot. I love that wild stuff. I love Kamen God, Rider, so and like cool. the dude's got like a motorcycle helmet with bug eyes, but you can like still it has that weird yeah. molded mouth. You know, it's super weird, but it I looks encur- awesome. I encourage everyone, Nick. I if we have time. And we can cut this. You know, we can we can leave this. Mm-hmm. I've I've saved some. What I've, is this? I've brought us some script from some early Power Rangers episodes <laughs> that I thought that maybe the three of us I'm ready could do. So the first one will be Nick and I. Nick, if you wouldn't mind taking on the role of Kimberly, I'll the Pink Kim- Ranger, I'll be Kimberly, and I will be Tommy, the Green Ranger, the greatest ranger who ever lived. Um, All right. So I have not seen, the, and you just watched this episode. The, this is from an episode I watched yesterday. Okay, I haven't seen this yet, so I'm going to do my best. Okay. I, I am Kimberly. Will you set the scene? Where are we in space and time? We are in the community center. Uh-huh. Um, you have recently discovered that I am the Green Ranger that has been fucking your shit up yeah. for, for weeks on end. I'm using a bench press machine Okay. in a green fishnet shirt Okay. because I'm the Green Ranger. And I'm running up to you. You I are imagine. coming up to me because you are upset. Yes. Also, in the days previous, I ditched you on a date. Okay. What? Got it. All right. So Tommy, you're... I know. I know you're the Green Ranger. Well, then, Pink Ranger, you should also know that you and the other Power Rangers will soon be destroyed. Let us help you. We can break Rita's spell. Rita is my empress, and she will soon rule the world. Tommy, <laughs> please let us help you. You have been warned. That's some good shit. Well, I mean... That is dog shit. Let's... <laughs> So this is all happening in the community karate center? Yeah. Yeah, this, you should be more this, discreet. This is where this is going down? Um, and Curtis, maybe we could do one <clears throat> if you want to. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in this one, uh, I'll be Jason, the okay. Red Ranger. All right. And you can be Zach, the Black Ranger. All right. Um, Am I the ultimate Black Ranger? You are not. Just the Black I Ranger. I will become the ultimate Black Ranger in future seasons. I see. But uh, Tommy is in the middle of his uh, transformation from Green Ranger to White Ranger, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm bummed. You can see I'm upset. Okay, where are we? Uh, where, where are we on a spaceship? We're in a cave. Uh, we are at the Power Rangers secret lair. Nice. 
Okay. Uh, Fade in. I just can't. Man, what's wrong? I know it's Tommy. You miss him. It's more than that. Wait a minute. Wait, I'm going to hold on a second. Curtis has got to take that again in a different voice. <laughs> Wait, am I what character am I? You're Zach the Black Ranger. I'm oh, I'm actually a black guy though. Yeah. Oh god, that's oh god. Okay. <laughs> and right. and fade in. I just can't. Man, what's wrong? <laughs> Sorry, one more time. <laughs> no, this all has to stay. It cannot stay. This is all. Dude, clap right. it, clap it. And fade in. I just can't. <laughs> Man, what's wrong? I know it's Tommy. You miss him. It's more than that. What? It's my fault that he lost his powers in the first place. If I had gotten the green candle, he'd still be one of us. Come on, Jace? Jace, yeah. Okay, sorry. Short for Jason. Come on, Jace. You know you had no choice. I know. I was there. No. I should have gotten the candle. So let me ask you this. Green candle? There's a whole candle thing going on? There's a whole thing, thing with the candle that I don't really, we don't really have time to get into. Okay. But I just wanted to point out, I mean, Power Rangers is the fucking shit. Yeah. It's amazing. Go back and rewatch Power Rangers. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say go back and rewatch the Power Rangers. Yeah, it'll yeah. fucking it'll blow your mind yeah. and make up your own mind. I think it's a little harsh to judge a TV show on episode one, season one. If you were to go back and watch Next Gen, arguably one of the greatest TV shows of all time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. episode season one, episode one, yeah. and base your opinion on that, you would have no idea of the treasures that await you. I think the same is true with Power Rangers. Yeah, it was a lot less. Racist and sexist Look, and horrible. Now, isn't there also, correct me if I'm wrong, not only so you got your core Power Rangers series, but then you got your Power Rangers this, Power Rangers that, Power Rangers this, Power Rangers that. It's like true. there's a whole bunch of side Power Ranger stuff, right? It's all right? the same story. It's all the same linear continuity. Okay. Yeah, it's beautiful. There was an episode where Kimberly and Billy turn into punks. Like get, punk rockers? Like punk rockers. They get an attitude and they get they become punk rockers. And that's what the fucking episode of the show is about. I submit to you that that's not good. Now, the that, in that episode, the Power Rangers robots and monsters fighting each other and punching each other was probably pretty cool. Right. Kimberly and Billy turning into punks and having to deal with high school and having to like, what's going on with Kimberly and Billy? That's not that's not good. The nineties was like filled with like a very special episode yeah. of shows though. Yes. Yeah. And they were mostly always like yeah. horribly racist and offensively shitty. So just I'm just saying this is there's a lot of nostalgia for nostalgia's sake happening right now. I agree. In the world today, mm-hmm. we're 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 having a moment. Where we're bringing back a lot of TV shows, we're watching a lot of we're, we're, the things that we're putting money to and rebooting and relaunching. I don't know that we're necessarily doing it because any of that stuff was good, but just because we remember it. And that's the thought that I kept having as I was as I watched the Power Rangers. Yeah. I would say that much like Jason when he defeats Tommy the first time. Yeah. Open your heart. Okay. I will. Open your heart. Yeah. And and know that there was bad, mm-hmm. but also. But it's Try that, to bring the good into your life. Is this all we're trying to do, though, is just, like, make our tummies feel warm and remember some shit that we liked when we were kids? And is that... Is I that... mean, you're, you're looking at it the same way I'm looking at it. You're looking at it as a, 20, as a you know, 20, late 20s, early 30s dude. Mm. There's, you know, there's, from that moment, 1992 to now, there's Power Rangers fans. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, the, yes, there's this new movie coming out, but there's decades of fandom that it has to try to 
appease. Because every generation from ours till now has Power Rangers fans because there's always been Power Rangers on TV. Safe to say that it peaked, though, in when whenever those toys were selling like that at its peak. This is like the end of the... Because this show only ran for three seasons. Our power, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. The ones that three we watched. Seasons. It was yes. three seasons max. It peaked probably season two, season three. Correct. Right. So it was never as popular as that ever again. Right. I agree with that. Probably. Right. Yeah. God, it's so. Good. I would say your mileage w- will vary, but uh, I am a big fan of nostalgia and and stuff that I don't give a shit about. You know, it's just one of those ones, right? It's you either do or you don't, right? Like Power Rangers, I wasn't there when it was hot shit. Like I appreciate it, like peripherally. My little brother was super, super into it, so I knew about it in that way. But you know, so I think it's like it's cool because it has giant robots and shit. But I, you know, you would love it. It doesn't pull at my heartstrings the way, like, say, Ghostbusters does. Right. Like, if you put Ghostbusters on something, I'm fucked, and, like, I'm going to buy it. Right. I don't know. It's got a lot, a lot of juice and energy in entertainment and in comics and in movies and in TV right now is going towards nostalgia, and sometimes it, it's very, very cool, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it's just like, well, enough people will remember that that we can make it, and it'll make X amount of dollars. I don't disagree with that. Which is mm-hmm. kind and there's more of it now than there ever has been. It's fucking crazy how much shit is just nostalgia-based. Um, yeah, I don't know. Keep I'm. I'm just. I have a wary eye towards it. Will you go see the new Power Rangers movie with me? Oh, can we? <laughs> yes, we can. Oh. The trailer looks totally awesome. It I does look it. totally awesome. Um, so, um, your big pick after all that Power Rangers talk though was Justice League Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number one from DC and Boom Studios. Yeah, I will say though that I did read this comic though, and I didn't hate it. It had some cute stuff. Mm-hmm. I like when the Flash zipped by and got everybody's weapons. Spoiler alert. That was awesome. And we got to see Zed up in this biatch. Lord Zed. My dude looks like a kick-ass, like, what, weird, muscly, muscle dude, but with, like, a little skeleton thing over the top. It looks kind of scary. It looks kind of scary and cool. So I did. You know the coolest part of uh, Power Rangers was, though? Because Zordon, who's, like... The dude that that builds the team and gives them all their powers and is their mentor. Or whatever. That guy's like the Zordon! disembodied head, right? Yeah. That yeah, floats. He's, a, he's okay. the disembodied head. Mm-hmm. He's like caught. They said he was caught in a time stream, so that's why he has to appear to them in this like projection tube thing. Got it. Is because he's somewhere caught in like a weird time stream paradox or whatever. That makes sense. It's pretty cool. That there's part so was pretty much, cool. There's so much cool shit. They have a flying VW bug at one point. Yeah. That makes that, sense. That they'll like when they're not in Power Rangers. All these people have Zords that they can just fly around in. Yeah. But they have a flying VW bug because it's the 90s. The very end of the episode, they're like going around the table. They're talking about like who's going to, I don't know, guys. Do you think we should do this? Do you think we, do, are we ready to do this? I don't know. And Kimberly's like, no, nah, I'm not really into it. Peace out. And then <laughs> I remember this actually. And she goes, not. Yeah. And the robot Alpha 1, it was like the sweetest 90s knot you've ever heard. But then the robot Alpha 5, is that his name? He's not equipped to deal with it. Right. He like his circuits overload and he explodes. He can't handle humor. It's too much. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Bill Hader's going to play that robot in the new Power Rangers movie. Nice. It's going to be so dope. Well, that's much longer talking about Power Rangers I'll, than I thought we were going to. I want to talk. I want to do a special episode just about how I, dope the Power Rangers are. I think we just did it, we buddy. Did it. I think that's all oh, you I get. Have, I have so many more facts. I bet you do. Oh my god, I have so many more facts. Well, if you're near a Vault of Midnight ever, and Marcus is in it, bend his ear. I ordered a Red Ranger uh, zip up hoodie yesterday. <laughs> Last night at like eleven thirty in a Power Rangers fueled state. I was just like, oh, that's a dope. That dude, Jason, the Red Ranger, is such a fucking prick. 
You're very wrong. He's such an asshole. He's not. He's got a heart of gold. He's a smarmy little bitch. Oh, you're. Those are fight. Let's go karate right now. Is what we need to do. Yeah, let's head on down to the karate community center. He's great kick, Zach. Well, you taught me everything I know, Jason. Because he he educates. He wants his team to be as good as they can be, so he helps. He spends time to help them. Our big picks this week were Justice League, Power Rangers from DC and Boom Studios, Detective Comics number 948 from DC Comics, and House of Penance Volume 1 from Dark Horse Comics. Those are our big picks, plus a bunch of stuff about Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah. Not really a comic book. (laughs) I mean, it is. There's three Power Rangers series going right now. (laughs) That's true. There's Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, there's Power Rangers Pink, and there's Power Rangers Justice League. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me say this. Power Rangers Pink number two was nominated for one of the best single issues of the year last year. It's a good series. That's all I'm saying. It is pretty good. I am reading that one. Anyways. Cool. Moving on. So speaking of stupid crossovers. Okay. There have been others in time. There have been so many crazy crossovers. And uh, Curtis, our man on the street, our reporter out on the street beat. That's me. He's got a really cool wind-up. Street beat. Excuse me, a really cool roundup. Street beat of stupid crossovers. Curtis and maybe on the not street. always stupid. Maybe they sound stupid. Sometimes they're awesome. That's true. Yeah. What did you got for us? You dug up some shit for us. Curtis on the street. Curtis on the street. Street Curtis. Street beat. That's got to be, yeah. That's what, every time we're too lazy to do a taser and we want Curtis to do it, that's going to be the thing. Now dig this. Yeah. So when I was doing research for this, like I started off, I'm, I'm going to do like the craziest crossovers that have ever been. Mm-hmm. You know, Metal Lark Lemon meets Godzilla and I stuff had, like this. I was doing research on Dave Letterman's many appearances in the DC universe. Yeah, it's hilarious. There's so many weird ones like that that I love. I'm a sucker for that. I love that. You put Dave Letterman on the front of a comic with the Justice League or the Avengers, you can count me and I will buy that comic book. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to be hilarious. But doing a bunch of research, I was like, you know what? There's actually a ton of sweet crossovers. I pulled five of my favorites from the last couple of years that are actually some of my favorite shit that I've read that on paper, and, and you're just going to roll your eyes. We're going to go down this list, and you're immediately you're going to hear the title of this book, and you'll be like, fuck you. There's no way. But I'm going to make the case that these books kicked ass, and because of the publisher letting these creative folks go crazy – and do what they wanted and flex their creative muscle in hiring the right people for the right po- project, we got some really interesting shit here, stuff that was a blast that I will recommend right now to someone in a comic book shop. Hey, I need a comic book. So we thought we were going to be talking about something stupid like Justice League and Power Rangers, but we're actually talking about books that ended up being really, really good. That I think are just unfettered uh, fun, exactly what you want comics to be. All right, hit me with the first one. So we're going to start with Archie versus Predator. Fuck you. Dudes. I know, right? <laughs> Next. Dog shit, right? Guess who wrote Archie versus Predator? Who? Alex DeCampi. Where do we know him from? Her. We know her from No Mercy <laughs> and a ton of other books. No yeah. Mercy is a really serious book about a bus full of kids who uh, goes off the road on a school trip and they're being hunted by wolves in the middle of the desert and drug dealers and it's a very hardcore, awesome comic book from Image Comics. Um uh, so this book is funny for a number of reasons. So uh, it was drawn in the traditional Archie style by this guy, Fernando Ruiz, who draws Archie comics on the regular. He draws like monthly Archie stuff. So it looks, when you think Archie, that's how this guy draws, in that classic Archie style that's basically been preserved in amber for 50 years. Mm-hmm. Dig this. This comic book is totally R-rated. It's totally gore-filled. 
It's got all the spine-ripping predator action that you would get from an R-rated predator movie in an Archie comic that looks like an Archie comic. Same style. Same style. So the gang from Riverdale goes on vacation, and they end up getting hunted by a predator on their, in their tropical vacation land. Uh, this was the best-selling book for Dark Horse and Archie Comics during its four-issue run for those four wow. months. So <laughs> That's awesome. It, yeah, man. It was critically reviewed very, very well. And I got to tell you, if you like dark humor, this this book just had all the beats. It felt like an Archie comic, but then weirdly, you know, Jughead gets pulled up in the trees and gets his skull and spine <laughs> torn out by a predator, dude. Yeah. It was fucking awesome. Seriously. You know, and you you would blow it off. Like, I, of course you would. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. But, but the thing is, they hired the right artist. They went at it with the right state of mind. We're going to make this thing crazy. You know, we're putting Predator in this comic, so it's going to be a Predator comic. And they hired the right writer who could get it done and give it the right vibe. So, on paper... Archie vs. Predator. No good. Loved it. That was a great book. It's collected right now. Give it a look. I promise you. So, uh, all right, so that was Archie vs. Predator. That was. I'm gonna drop another Predator combo on you guys. It's going right now. It's Predator Judge Dread Aliens. Is this the, the is this the common link between good stupid crossovers? Does it have to have a Predator in it? Well, so as I was compiling this list, the amount of really sweet Predator crossovers yeah. that shouldn't work that are totally fucking awesome is a lot. Yeah, is Predator it, is just awesome. Is dude, the thing, uh, man, and the folks that they get to do them are totally crazy. So this book is written by John Layman, who you guys might know from a little comic book called Chew. Yeah, over at Image Comics. One of the store's favorites, one of everybody's favorites. This is a great uh, detective comic. Uh, this guy has been dying to write Judge Dredd his whole career. And reading an interview with him, this is one of those things where you think creators don't want to do company books. They don't want to do properties. Everybody wants to do their own thing and make their own money and all this, right? Yeah. Which is true. Until it's Judge Dredd. Until it's one of your heroes. Until right. you're like, man, I love Spider-Man as a kid. As a professional writer, someday I hope to write some Spider-Man. That's very, very cool. Um, so this book is a blast. A, a ship of Predator Hunters crashes on the Cursed Earth, that's Judge Dredd's Earth, with a bunch of facehuggers that mm -hmm. get free, and chaos ensues. It's Judge Dredd fighting fucking predators and weird mutated alien creatures out in the Cursed Earth, the mutated Cursed Earth. It's a fucking blast. There's three issues of it so far. It's going to be four. Uh, John Wagner, the guy who co-created Judge Dredd, wrote the first Predator, Judge Dredd, Aliens crossover. Whoa. And he was totally into it, and it's a very cool book. So um, that's my second on this list. Number three on the list is Transformers G.I. Joe by Tom Scioli, who also did this book called American Barbarian, mm -hmm. uh, is just the most irreverent, fun, bizarre, goofy, colorful book. I cannot believe that Hasbro is letting this guy do uh, this comic. Adam and Eve show up in this comic book. <laughs> C Cthulhu shows up in this comic yeah. book. It is completely batshit crazy, but it's fun, it's wild, it's super, super dense. It jumps around all over the place. It does whatever the fuck it wants. Um, it, it just shouldn't exist. Uh, and Tom Scioli, like I read this huge two-page interview with him about this book because I think it's one of the best comics of the last five years. Mm -hmm. I am over the moon. They're going to do a giant hardcover of this book in two months. I'm buying that $50 hardcover with all 13 issues in it. It's Tremendous. But he did this massive uh, interview on Comics Alliance. Please check it out if you can. We'll drop this in the show notes, I hope. Um, just talking about how much fun it is to do this book. And if he didn't do this comic, this licensed comic, he would have wrote his own version of this. of With with monsters and army men? With giant, yeah, space robots and yeah. super soldiers and shit. Um, 
So it, it just goes to show you his his take on writing a company book and a crossover book is the exact opposite of what you would think. He's crazy into it and over the moon to have an opportunity to play in this universe. So, um, you know, on paper, again, you know, Transformers G.I. Joe, uh, it's way more exciting in real life than it is on paper. And it could just easily, it could have been easily stupid. It's that it's easy to just put those properties together and play off people's nostalgia. And like, this is where it works. This is where the nostalgia, like, hey, you you remember this stuff, but you put it in the hands of the right person. And it's like, actually, one of the best things I read last year. Yeah, it's a toy box. The publisher's letting him go crazy. Mm-hmm. They hired this guy knowing full well that he's, he's cuckoo pants yeah. in a good way. And they let him, let him do his thing. So um, I am making the case for crossovers. Yeah. And I'm saying do a little investigating. I think nostalgia can be a double-edged sword where folks are cashing in on everything we love from when we're kids, and that's stupid, and I don't want that, unless they're going to make it sweet. Because if you're going to make it sweet, and you're going to give me some shit I loved from when I was a little kid. But un- so un- but make it sweet is like, unpack that a little bit. Well, just, you know, you're what not- What defines these three things? What makes it work in ways that- how, that where, where it easily could have failed, what's, sure. the, what's the thread that holds them together? Well, it's giving you something I don't unexpected. Yeah. So you 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 know these characters' names, but they're going places they haven't been before. It's not just a classic uh, team up of the five most popular characters. Like the GI Joe Transformers comic has very little Snake Eyes in it, for example. Mm-hmm. And that's that's you know if you're going to write just your easy kind of cash in comic, right? You just do the four main Joes and you do the three main Transformers. Uh, and you know that's all you need to do. This book is like the full universe, the weirdest characters from all these universes. Um, Does it take also a certain amount of like self awareness? I mean, it can. And, um, I think this book is very self aware. Transformers, GI Joe, but Predator, Archie Predator is pretty self aware. That's pretty self aware. Um, but Predator, Judge Dread, Aliens is playing it pretty straight. They could just do that as a movie, and it would totally work. And yeah. it's totally serious. I don't think it's campy at all. It's, it's earnest. It is, and it, and it's succeeding. So. Dredge just crack, Judge Dredd cracks off some perfect Judge Dredd lines in that comic. So, um, you know, just do it good. And if you hire the right people, are going to bring something interesting to the table. Don't just do it to do it. So Yeah. Um, but there's so many more. Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles this last year was, I think everybody in the store read that and really dug it. I think all the like all the DC crossovers so far, Green Lantern Star Trek was amazing. It was a lot of fun. That it one was, was fun. It was great. Uh, yeah, Batman TMNT. I think we're... A lot of the crossovers I've read this year have just been just absolutely dynamite. It is fun because they take it out of continuity and they can get a little ridiculous with it, and it's a nice little breather at times. Um, I'm a full advocate for it for that reason, if for nothing else, because you can just like it gives you the right to be silly. Yeah, and a lot of this stuff should be silly. In and when I say silly, that doesn't mean that you can't be serious and that you can't try to be dramatic, but also just an awareness of. You know, these are this this stuff is inherently fantastic and ridiculous. Right. So do fantastic and ridiculous shit. And you know, don't take advantage of fans. You know, yeah. You know, people love this stuff. If you put put one of these kind of you know revered properties on something, just be aware that some people really right and it you know, get excited them. about yeah. it. And you know, yeah. Look at Marcus. Look good. at Marcus. One crossover comic and his whole evening was gone to Power Rangers. I'm so in best, love with that. Best evening I've had in such a long time. <laughs> I just like. I had the video, I was watching Power Rangers on one screen, and I was reading about all the Power Rangers on the other screen, and my night just, ev- I told my girlfriend, I was like, yeah, I'll call you later, I'm like doing the most, <laughs> and I just totally lost track of time, I was like, oh shit, it's 11, Yeah. and then I bought a hoodie, and it was the best end to the whole evening. There you go. Oh, I do love, I love everything you're saying. It was so great. 
as much as we walked out of that experience very differently, I, I love that that happened to you. Oh, it's so good. All right. So those are, um, what do you call them? We're just going to call them crossovers. Yeah. Not wacky crossovers. Not even wacky. Yeah. And, and you know, there's a whole nother uh, bit of podcasts that are just totally stupid. Absolutely. But are, you know, still kind of sweet. Yeah. Like that, was liked... the, that was the thing that kind of surprised you this time is that how much good stuff there was in the research. Yeah. And like, like five or six of my favorite books in the last two years were like very odd crossovers. Yeah. So, there you go. All right. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, very much. You're very welcome. It's Thanks a, for hosting, buddy. It was a great show with the both of you. And Rachel, thank you. Are you going to say sorry? I'm sorry. Are you? I'm sorry. Okay. I forgive you. That's our producer and editor, Rachel Polk. She's the best. Our music was created by A-Bomb. Super Skull is the podcast you're listening to, and it's recorded every single week at the Ann Arbor District Library. Please subscribe and download and also do the review of the Super Skull Show on the iTunes, if you would, please. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and our website, Super Skull Show, is how you find us. If you wanted to leave us a review or uh, a post on any of those things this week, you could just drop on there which one of us is the handsomest. That could be your entire review this week, if, if you have the time. Super Skull is brought to you by Vault of Midnight, Earth's finest comic books and stuff and podcasts since 1996. My name is Nick Wybar. I'm Marcus Schwimmer. And I am Curtis Sullivan. Kimberly, who's a total badass, picks up the Batmobile with her ter- or with her pterodactyl zord and flies away her with it. Her pink pterodactyl zord. Oh my god, like it's just like pterodactyl dino zord power! Oh, it's the fucking best. I don't give a shit what any of you say, it's amazing.